Celtics are in the Eastern Conference Finals. Chamberlain, how are you doing, Matt? Oh, much like muscle six, still alive, still still kicking. Um, some mishaps lately, but still, uh, still have a chance, right? Still good. It's good. I'm. Yeah. I survived my Cancun trip. I saw James Harden only once. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I didn't see James Harden. Um, so. I, d- I, I saw Kyrie's uh, house January through March. Um, <laughs> there's so many Cancun jokes that I made while I was there, and no one understood. No one, no one got it. And yeah. it was fine, but you know, it, it's fine. I, uh, yeah, it, it was just disappointing overall. Um, but Cancun was fun. I'm back now. I'm ready for uh, our off-season, um, <laughs> postseason basketball, um, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. We'll talk about it. But uh, first, let me remind you who is listening, everyone who is listening, to follow us on Twitter or on Instagram and give us a follow or a review on the podcast platform of your choice that helps us out a bunch. We really appreciate that. Our last episode, we talked about the playoffs, Matt, because the playoffs are still going. It's the best time of the year. It's just playoff basketball, the best type of basketball. Um, and we have some NBA news, Matt. Are you ready to talk about the draft lottery results? Because I am. The not playoff teams. Um, yes. Almost chalk. Almost. Um, the... <laughs> The lottery odds, I'll read these off really quick. Are you ready for this, Matt? Um, Orlando at one. Oklahoma City. My Oklahoma City Thunder at two. The tanking paid off, Matt. It, it uh, did. Uh, Houston at three. Sacramento at four. Detroit at five. Indiana at six. Portland at seven. New Orleans at eight via Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> San Antonio at nine. Washington at ten. New York at 11, Oklahoma City via the Clippers at 12, Charlotte at 13, and then Cleveland at 14, rounding out the lottery. Yep. So of all that, there's a couple, you know, quick points. Um, just in terms of movement um, in the draft lottery compared to their odds going into it, Orlando moved up from two to one. Oklahoma City moved up from four to two. Sacramento moved up from seven to four. Woo. Um, Houston down from number one to number three. Ouch. Detroit down from number three to number five. Yikes. So, and I think Portland was what, five, I think, and dropped down to seven. Yeah. Yikes. So that's uh that was tough. That was tough. That the uh luck that the Thunder got was amazing. Um but the <laughs> the unluck that's unluckiness that some of the other teams got 
I mean, like Portland at seven, you have a note next to that. That's like, oh no. Like they were tanking as much as the Thunder were, probably more than the Thunder were toward the end of the year there. Um, it's kind of devastating, right? Yeah, no, I just double checked it. So Indiana was five, Portland was six, and they both moved back, moved back a spot. But so, yeah, with Portland, like they were the ones really open for like that lottery luck, you right. know, to move up into that top four to, you know, get the either the trade chip they desperately wanted so they could get someone to help Dame or to go on the other route of like where you're we're really going to feel great about who we can get to reset the direction of the future of this franchise. Mm. And they kind of. I mean, we, we talk about it all the time when it comes to draft. Like, 7 to, you know, 14. It's not that you can't find good players, but, man, that's not where you want to be picking. Right. Um, it's a rough – I mean, it's a rough thing for – it's a rough thing for all these teams. Like, you look at Portland, San Antonio, Washington, New York – even like Charlotte and Cleveland to an extent, like they had good years, but like it's kind of disappointing uh, the result there that you didn't even move up some. Like Oklahoma City jumped you, I think, right? Getting up to the 12, which was okay for the Clippers pick. Um, but still, like the fact that, yeah, Oklahoma City, like they don't need another pick above you, but like they still got it. Right. right. Or like San Antonio, Washington, New York at 9, 10, 11. Like, that's just, again, the miserable place. Like, you don't want to be in the draft. Like, I swear nothing good ever comes out of those picks. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, what's uh, – like, even Los Angeles, like, that's – I know the pick was going to be conveyed, whatever. Um, after the year they had, that seems like a bigger deal that they gave up the eighth pick. And I know that was for Anthony Davis, so – you know, whatever you want to say about that. Um, but it, it's, it kind of sucks. I mean, it sucks that you're having to do all this stuff um, to get a superstar like that and then it not really pay off and only get really one championship so far. But um, I mean, I, I'm over the moon, Matt. And yeah, I text, and I, and I text you about this. Orlando, picking ahead of Oklahoma city is like Oklahoma city having the what it feels like to me. And, and you know, I, no disrespect. No, actually I take that back. All disrespect to Orlando because they've been a joke of a franchise for a lot since, you know, Dwight Howard left. Um, they've been like tanking middle, middle of the pack for the last decade, decade and a half. So like, what do you, what, like if you're Orlando, you can't, like, are you picking Chet? Like, who are you going with here? Well, I texted you the, you know, the perfect just in-line idea about why they're going to pick Chet. Yeah. Uh, they picked Jalen Suggs last year from Gonzaga. Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga. Both guys played high school ball together in Minnesota. So someone's going to sell, like, the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase you know, Cincinnati. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like reunite them, get them back together. Um, they were dominant, you know, won some two A state championships in Minnesota together, Ryan. Right. Uh, and, you know, it's just like, 
while Jabari is like from that area of the country, actually, and in theory, they should have been watching Jabari all year. It, it just feels like Chet is the guy built for Orlando, the super long, lanky, like, can you imagine all the possibilities of him guy? Whereas Jabari, it's almost like it's too clear of a path to stardom for them, you know? Right. Too easy. Yeah, I don't. The I'm just I'm just hoping that Jabari is there. That's all I'm gonna say. We can dive into the draft. I'm sure you have a million and one things you want to walk me through with the draft. But from watching the little college basketball I watched this year, I want Jabari Smith. Um, I don't want anything to do with Chet Holmgren. Um, I'm sure he's a nice kid. He's gonna be a fine player somewhere, but not. I hope not in Oklahoma City. That's all I'm guessing. Um, <laughs> we can move on and talk about some teams uh, who might have been in Cancun with me, Matt. Um, might have been taking an extended vacation sooner than they had planned, let's say, 12 months ago uh, or even six months ago. Um, so let's get into our one, two, three Cancun. All right. Let's start with the Hawks, Matt. They were one of the first teams to get bounced. What, what, what are your thoughts here? What, what do the Hawks have to do to improve this next year? So, again, we're going quick here. We're not going to do the full dive because yeah. we got too many teams to do that. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from the series they had was, like, this, this can't be Trey against the world. Mm. You know, we're, we're kind of seeing it, like, watching Dallas still throughout the playoffs that – you know, Luca is like, has truly carried this team. I mean, obviously they've had some great Jalen Brunson and Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie games. Like Luca, you know, the common term is like, it's a heliocentric offense there. It's Luca and then some guys. The Hawks try and play that way with Trey. And it's just, it, it doesn't work to that level. It works, just not to the championship level. Like in, Someone, something's got to change there. And so my big question that I'm going to tie to the Hawks is, is it time for a consolidation trade? Like you have Herder, Bogdanovich, you know, Gallinari, you know, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Yekon Kongwu, Clint Capella, like a bunch of really good players there. But clearly they don't trust them enough to like, give them the ball and get out of the way or give them their five minutes of you guys just go do whatever you want. We're going to trust you. Like they just don't trust it. Like those guys to do it. So at the end of the day, like those are just role players then. And Trey and a bunch of role players don't work. Like Trey's just not good enough. So is it time for a consolidation trade or just like, I don't know, a rebrand and like who we are and who we have like, just to flip the thinking about them, you know? And that has to be internal, not external, internal within the team. So I don't know what to do with Atlanta. That's a great, those are great points. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat with you. It's like, we've talked about it with Trey. It seems like all year and to a point for the last year and a half, and it worked for them last year, but like he has to find a way to to make himself useful off ball. 
And I think that's some of the point about the consolidation piece. Like, can you get another ball handler, another star next to Trey and Trey get on board with the idea that he's going to play off ball some like five minute stretches off, off ball. And again, that all just is again, dependent on like someone else therefore has the ball. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, and yeah, those are just great points. And I think those are the, some of the questions that the Hawks have to internally answer, like you're saying. Um, and it's just going to be fascinating to see if they can figure that out because I think we both had the Hawks as a top four team this past season going into the year. For the East? Yeah, I think I had them finishing fourth in the East going in. And and they're not. They weren't. And so they have to find a way to get back uh, to that somehow. Um, and so it's going to be up to them. It's going to be up to Trey. I think he's going to have to find a way to play differently. He can't be James Harden. He can't be Luka Doncic, like you said. So all good points, Matt. Um, unless you want to add anything else about the Hawks, we can move on to the Nets. Let's go ahead. Now let's go ahead and move to Brooklyn. So, again, a very disappointing early exit. Obviously, there's been things with the Nets all year, though. So, yes, uh, not that a sweep was expected, but, like, things just kind of going off the rails in general is not totally unexpected, I'd say, for them. Um, although, at the same time, I started the year, I still thought they had enough talent. They'd make the finals, but... They were the uh, one seed at one point, right? Yeah. Like, they, again, they clearly have talent. Like, yeah. they do. But I think one thing that really showed up in the Boston series is, like, I don't think this team has an identity, Ryan. I feel like with all these great teams left, like, good or bad, like, in terms of, like, agreement with it, like, all these teams have an identity. Like, they know who they are and they know what they're trying to do. I don't know if Brooklyn knows what they're trying to do right now, besides just like KD and Kyrie just kind of being who they are. And like, that's our identity, you know? Yeah. Their identity is like, we're going to be good at basketball. And it's like, (laughs) that doesn't work in the NBA. Right. It's not like you have to have some bread and butter. Like, it can't just be ISO be your bread and butter. Like, you have to have, like, a play. It's like, okay, we need a bucket here out of a timeout. And, like, they just never got to that spot. And there's a lot of reasons why, but that's – I mean, that's the overall feeling with the Nets is, like, who the heck are you guys? Like, yeah, you want to play basketball, but, like, so do the Kings in April. Like it, like this is an equate to like winning a championship. Yeah, like obviously, I mean, there's different like extremes. Like the Warriors are gonna be like the super, like space pace, get threes up, you know, be a little wild and strong defense. Like Dallas, like they know, like at the end of the day, like the five out. Yeah, yeah. You just everyone get all the way. Like truly get all the way. Give Luca the ball. Get all the way and then be ready to catch and shoot. Like, Boston, like, their identity is more so their defense of, like, we're going to switch everything, and we're going to make everyone's lives miserable on defense. And the Heat basically do the same thing then, you know? So it's, like, all these final four teams, like, you can clearly see who they are. Like, every time down the court, like, they're doing what they want to do exactly how they want to do it. 
you know, like it's not always gonna look pretty, but they're at least trying to do what they want to do. Whereas Brooklyn, they they were just out there playing basketball. Right. And as great as KD is, whenever it was like, okay, we have like a definitive strategy against you, and you all are gonna have to do something else to kill us. Like whether it's them, the Suns, or a lot of these other teams, like their identity or lack thereof, like really showed itself as like just not good enough. And so the question I have tied to the Nets is, can you run this team back with full confidence? Like Joe Harris is going to be back. You know, we'd assume Ben Simmons is going to get healthy and play. You know, we liked what we built with Seth and maybe we can bring back Drummond and so on, so on, right? I guess that's the question is, do you think you can get another good year of health better than this year and you're all good? Like the talent's just going to win out at the end of the day. And I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, that's a fascinating question because like I could see the Nets talking themselves into like, oh, well, like the Kyrie COVID thing just threw our year totally off. We were never able to find a rhythm. And Kyrie said as much in his, you know, post game. Um, And you can have your opinions on, he could have done something. And I agree with that. He could have done something about that, but he didn't. And so like the question now is like, at the end of the day, like, what do you feel comfortable with? Like how comfortable can you be with Kyrie playing all 82 games next year. If I had to give you like a bet on that map of like, I don't know, 80 to one, would you take that? Well, there's no way he's playing 82 games. There's no way. And like, that's the thing is like how, like it kind of goes back to your identity thing. Like if one of your stars isn't going to be around for most of the games, or even, like, let's say, like, 70 games. Like, he missed 12 games. And I give you, like... Or if I set the bar at 69 and a half games that Kyrie was going to play, would you take the under or over? See, I was thinking of, like, 65 and a half as, like, the line. Yeah. So, like, probably pick the under then. You know? Okay. So, like, when you're trying to build an identity as a coach, and you know this better than I do... Like, if you don't have a player who's, like, consistently playing, like, it's almost impossible to build anything with him. And so, like, I don't know. From a Steve Nash perspective, like, I kind of understand, like, it sucks. Like, you you really can't build anything. Like, your team chemistry is was just totally thrown off this past year. But if I were Sean Marks and the GM of this team, I don't know what you do. Like, you can't run it back. I don't think I don't think you can give Kyrie whatever like whatever contract he wants. No, no, you can't. Like, I guess it's for no reason. Like, you just don't know. You know, and there's been all this talk about like, where's Kyrie's head at? Like, you know, does he really love basketball and all this different stuff? Like, I think part of it's just like, I don't know that he wants to be there. You yeah. know, it doesn't mean he's not good at his job when he is there. I, I just don't know that he, like, for sure, like, wants to be there, though. So, in terms of, like, do I want to give you a four- or five-year contract, no, regardless of the, like, money? Like, no. Like, it just yeah. don't. 
it's it's one of those like you know you see it in like the business world all the time like bosses like a guy's like hey i want to go put in for this other job it might be a great opportunity but like i'd love to stay here if it doesn't work out boss is like well you already have a foot out the door like right then like i don't like yeah we love to have you when you're here but like are we really going to love you having you here in the future because like i don't know that you care to be here right at the end of the day and i is like it kind of makes sense but at the same time you want the guy there so in this situation i just it's hard to say like i would want him on more than like a one or two year deal yeah so he can just leave when he leaves and like it's fine because there's not going to be any like trade get him out of here teams like being unwilling to take it on like it's like either here or not if you're not we have a basically expiring deal we can trade you on you know and so maybe the lakers think they can get you back or something i don't know right like russell westbrook for Kyrie, who says no Stop. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to do with that. Um, <laughs> my brain just broke. But like, you know, like, I don't know. It's just almost like too human of an issue, I guess. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Like, because do you bet on Kyrie the person? No. You don't feel good about it anyway. So, right. so weird. It is, it is a weird it's just a weird situation all around their identity all year is being weird. That's a great, great word for the Nets. Word of the year. Weird. Um, with that, let's move on to the Bulls, Matt. They let's uh, move on to a normal, somewhat normal team. They're normal. Um, they're in like the normal NBA building stage of like, okay, you've got a couple like really good guys now. You've got a couple good like role players. Now you just need like more guys who don't suck. Like we're back on this, Ryan. Like yeah. No more Kobe White's. Like no more Derek Jones Jr. Like no offense, but like you just need more guys who don't suck. They don't have to be stars. Yeah. But they need more guys who can like actually play basketball games in the NBA, like high level basketball games. So that's where I'm at with them, and I don't know if that's gets into a bigger like Vucevic conversation like does he really need to be there or not everything else you know like the Crusoe was a good idea but I don't know Pat Williams is nice now that he's back but I think the big question ultimately is like how much is Zach Levine worth like mm. is he worth a max contract is he worth you know a long-term deal of some sort or if it's like a we we don't think this guy's ultimately going to lead us to where we want to go what's he worth in a trade so i think that's just the big question with zach levine is he's very much said like he's going to be open to coming back to the bulls he's very much going to be open to looking into his options but if he's looking to his options if you're the bulls that i mean kind of what we were just saying with Kyrie, like it kind of sounds like he's got one foot out the door already like he might come back, but he's kind of got one foot out the door. So, what do you do with him? What do you do with that? So, I don't know. It's a fascinating question for the Bulls because, <laughs> I mean, it feels like they finally got to a spot where they're competing, uh, but they're not really competing for a championship. You know, like the the Bucks just eviscerated yeah. them in four games and kind of tore them apart. 
And that's going to be the standard. Like the Bucks aren't going away next year. Um, and you got to think Brooklyn's going to get better. So like, you're right. Like what is, is Vucevic your answer is Levine even coming back. And if he's not like, you're not getting anything for him and you traded a bunch of stuff away, um, including Jimmy Butler. Um, I don't know. It's just the bulls are in a weird spot. And if you told me they were going to win zero first round playoff series over the next three years, I wouldn't be shocked. And I also wouldn't be shocked if they made like an Eastern conference Finals somehow. Kind of like Atlanta's run from last year. Yeah. There's got one of those in their bag. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Ryan, I heard Sacramento's got a number four pick available. (laughs) Is like what I feel like whenever we talk about Sacramento and like a free agent, we have to like rate the player who's going there. Is he like a Sacramento guy? And Zach Levine very much feels like a Sacramento guy. Yeah. Um, one of those like you're you're i mean like you can play basketball i don't know if you're like great i don't but... know if you're like a winning like playoff player though like there's still a question with zach levine about that right no there is but like he's definitely gonna score points and he'll win you some games like he will but yeah it's cool when you win a game in february against like charlotte but i want 16 games April through June, you know, like that's the goal. Yeah. And I think, I mean, again, injuries, all that this time of year happens to everybody though. But like we kind of saw Milwaukee series again, maybe Milwaukee is a bad example, but like he he just needed more out of them. Yeah. I mean, look at all the teams that are either still in the playoffs or got bounced. Would you have the bulls over the 76ers? No. Would you have the Bulls over the Heat? I mean, obviously not. So then, like, you we're talking about one team that probably I don't. I I just I don't know. I don't know what to do with the Bulls. I guess that's that's my point. Is it doesn't seem like they're getting over the hump with this group, and they only assembled it last year. Um, but they may have like some. I mean, you're one one upset superstar away from being able to make like a trade for that big superstar right yeah so i don't know yeah almost like in the way like they acquired vucevic so it's yeah well maybe that's deandre ayton like you know or or someone else like just to you know really help you out or at least kind of reset your timeline maybe right so you're not all 30 plus years old right Right. Okay. Anyways, let's, moving let's on to the Raptors. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think this one, I you know, we've been kind of negative, which kind of goes with like, hey, your season ended. But like, I don't know. I don't feel so negative about the Toronto one. Like, to me, this kind of felt like a gravy year for them. Like, in terms of like how it needs to be viewed. Yes. I know Malcolm's getting older. I know Van Fleet's getting older. Like, I know. But like, they weren't supposed to be an Easter conference final team this year, you know? So right. yeah, like that Philly series could have gone better for sure. But like they got it to six. Like that yeah. that's something, you know. But you 
you kind of, you know, figured out how Van Fleet, you know, Siakam, like how to build around them. You obviously like come up way with the guy who was named rookie of the year and an excellent player and Scotty Barnes. And you, you know, did a good job filling our team with like shooter types like Gary Trent Jr. You still have some hope for OG and Anobi as like a really good NBA player and everything. So like you, you have some stuff going for you in Toronto. So, you know, like, I, I think it's a gravy year. It, yeah. It's just, to me, your question should be linked to development. Like what's next for Scotty Barnes? Not like what's our next move to win a championship. That's right. probably the following off season to me. Yeah. I think that's a great point is like, you really started building this past year, even though like you had Scotty Barnes um, and you like his upside. Um, but I think next year is the year you start looking at like maybe adding some more veteran presence to this team um, on top of what they have to maybe make a run at an Eastern Conference Finals or even Finals because you're not too far from move from when this team made the finals and won the finals. Um, so I like that idea. I mean, it, it's definitely a gravy year for them. I wouldn't – like if they got past the 76ers into the second year, like that's amazing. Like that would have been yeah, way above expectations. Yeah. Now, let's just go ahead and move on to Philly. Who Can't did, trust Philly. Did beat Toronto. But as we say, it should be like the slogan of our podcast. You can't trust <laughs> Philly. You can't do it, Ryan. The, I, I just can't. I feel like I texted you that as, as soon as the series ended. Um, I don't know. The biggest question for this team this offseason is clearly like the James Harden thing. Um, and the bigger point to that is like, what the heck do you do with the second piece? Like the second star. It's not James Harden. Like it's definitively answered. It cannot be James Harden in this playoffs. Like he looks so disinterested in playing game six that I, I'm surprised his like private jet wasn't like filled up, ready to go leaving Philly the next day or that night. Like it's just waiting on top of the arena. Just like, and we were talking about this before the pod. Like I love Tyrese Maxey. I think we both like Tyrese Maxey. He's a nice yeah. player, but you can't wait another two to three years for him to develop into an ultra elite point guard or even elite point guard while Embiid's in the middle of his prime, right? Like there's two or three years are the, probably the last of Embiid's like super prime. Right. And this is like an MVP type of guy has made zero Eastern conference finals has yet to make a finals. And it feels like Philly's just wasting it away. Like they wasted three years trying to figure out if, Ben Simmons was a good fit. Turns out he's not. We all knew that <laughs> question. It took him three years to come to that conclusion, though. So, like, are you going to spend another two years or another year saying, like, James Harden can be that guy next to Embiid? We just saw it. The answer is no. Like, they had a chance to make East Conference Finals and make a run at the Finals, and they didn't. Yeah, to think that... James Harden, like the performance you got this year is going to get 
better in the playoffs the next two years, like there's just there's no way like any logical person can think that. And I love that you know they acquired Harden mid year, and the consensus was like, you know, calling them like Shaq and Kobe 2.0 or you know whatever other you know super tandem there there's been. And then it was just like, okay, we'll give it five games. Like, seriously, just give it, like, five games. And then the, James Harden went back to being the exact guy we knew he was, like, for the right. last year, before that even. We're not talking right. about, like, this just happened. This this has been happening. Like, we've been seeing it happen. He's, to me, though, he's the perfect Philly guy. We talk about perfect Sacramento guys with Zach Levine. James Harden <laughs> is the perfect Philly guy, Ryan. Like, you think he's good, and then he's going to just break your heart again and again and again. He's going to have a good stretch. You're like, okay. And then he's just going to let you down, and you can't trust him. And more importantly, you can't trust him when it actually matters. Mm. Just like with the rest of Philly. You can't trust him when it actually matters. And something brought up on the rights to Ricky Sanchez pod, finally – that I know you and I have been talking about is I don't know if you can really trust Joel Embiid either. Like not in the same way, obviously, but like there's just something fundamentally wrong with this franchise right now that even James Harden re-signing, not re-signing, sign and trade, picks up an option, signs an extension, whatever, like isn't going to fix. It Mm. feels like. I don't know what you do about this because I don't know. It's just like they're cursed. I don't. I don't know how else to explain it. Like, it God. feels like there's a process curse, Philly the, or something. Like if we had like a, a you know the Babe Ruth curse at Boston, mm-hmm. is there a process curse? Is like the Julio Okafor pick just like like everything went wrong when they picked Markel Fultz. And didn't take Tatum. And didn't take. Maybe it's a Tate. Can we call it the Tatum curse, or is that too on the nose? Can we call it the process curse? I think they're. I think you're onto something. I think it's just got to be the pro. Like, yeah. Are we like at the? I mean, technically they haven't won a championship in a long time, but like, are we at the? Not the turning point. Whatever the opposite of the turning point is, like the definitive, like hard line, like this. This is just going to go straight down. You know the crapper like point of this is going to be yeah the next curse of the bambino like the cubs thing uh, yeah whatever like this is just what it is now and you're in we're, we're in year 20 of it but i think we're all just realizing it for the first time you know so yeah, that's great i think i think we've been missing like a great baseball curse since 2016 and isn't that when they drafted ben simmons in 2016 <laughs> Uh, was it 14, 16? I can't remember now. The process has been going on for so long. I can't even remember. Yeah, so I'm going to say it's it's the process. Oh, it's 2016. You were spot on 2016. And we can blame Ben, ben Simmons was the, the start of it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just saying this is it. This Philly thing is just wild. Like, I'm just going to keep like I'm not rooting against Philly necessarily. Oh, I'm, I'm just <laughs> I'm just rooting for the fact that like this is like a bad car crash. 
that you can't take your eyes off of. You know that analogy? This mm-hmm. is what Philly is to me now. So I just have to keep watching. Um, it's going to be fascinating what they do. Apparently, they're on the hunt for a third star. I don't like there's what? a lot of crap talked about Tobias Harris. I don't, I think he's just cast out of role. Like he's not supposed to be the third guy. Um, he was better than James Harden. All playoffs. He was, yeah, he was way better than James Harden all playoffs. And James Harden had one of his signature playoff moments in his entire career in this playoffs, Matt. To stave off elim- – oh, wait, they did get eliminated. Never mind. Um, so <laughs> He had three good quarters all playoffs. Three? <laughs> Matt, this is just sad. It's sad. I Let's move on to another team. I can't anymore with – with the 76ers. Let's talk about the Bucks. Let's talk about Giannis because I like we're talking about a dude I think who historically it, we're underappreciating right now. A, Definitely. A two-time MVP who's just at the peak of his career, starting to be at the peak of his career. And I don't think he's reached his full peak yet. Um and so the question with the Bucks, I have attached with the Bucks, is like, how can you improve your bench? Because like the Grayson Allen, the I don't know Pat Connaughton, like that's all cute, but like it feels like it's not enough anymore. So like, how the heck? What the heck do you do now? Um, because yeah. you need improvement, and I know like with Chris Middleton being out, like everyone kind of got like out of role essentially. Um, if Chris Middleton plays the series, maybe it's we're talking about you know the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but I, I don't know. How do you improve the bench? Like, how do you go about improving the bench? You're in such a tight cap situation with your three superstars, um, plus Brook Lopez. Like, are you bringing him back? Are you finding a t- different team for him? Um, Lots of different questions with the Bucks, yeah. I think. But I think you're not like as concerned because this team's going to find its gear come playoff time next year. And it might be better that they didn't make an extended run because they've been playing a crap ton of games over the last three years. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone brought up like the Olympics thing then too. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. Part of it is you like, you're definitely right about like the bench has to be better. Like, Grayson Allen did not belong on the floor with no. Jalen Brown and you know Jason Tatum. Like, right? He just that dude looked like a high schooler out there. Like at that point, like it was ridiculous how bad he was. Um, it felt like they were missing Dante Divincenzo. Like just a, like another option to turn yeah. to. Yeah, that the Divincenzo Abaka trade looks just horrible. terrible. Yeah, because I remember at the time we said like, this isn't worth it. But I guess this is saying like Brooke Lopez won't be back this year. So yeah. you're trying to give yourself a chance. And Brooke Lopez was back. <laughs> and uh, then Serge Ibaka was playing like trash minute, like the garbage minutes. Yeah. So it's like, not great. Wild. Um, but like, yeah, I, I think part of it is, yeah, there's got to be some reevaluation. Like, and there's going to be a larger topic I want to bring up at some point, but like the George Hills of the world that don't get me wrong in the past have been really good or good, maybe not really good, good. Like 
you have to bring in some new fresh blood here. You you gotta like revamp your bench. Like yeah, and maybe the guys who want who will play the same role or guys who have similar skill sets, but like we've gotta bring in again dudes who you you go out and you find them like mentally like are bringing something to the table right now just it's almost like the Nets conversation here with like individual guys of like you're just out there playing basketball yeah you know and we need guys who are out there like with a purpose and sometimes it feels like a lot of those role players for the bucks don't play with purpose like what makes bobby portis so great is like the intensity and like the purpose and the role he's playing with. Like he knows exactly what he's going to do and he's going to like just be a beast about it. He's not a great player, but like he knows exactly what he's trying to do. And he's going to do a great intense, you know, exhilarating job of it. It felt and like they never really that. filled that PJ Tucker role. Cause that was the guy for them last year who kind of did a lot of that. Right. Like he knew who he's going to be, but he was also just like an intense guy all the time. We're seeing that with the heat now. Um, And like, even the Suns have like a guy like Jay Crowder who like maybe not the most productive, but like bring some sort of sense of urgency and intensity to every game. Yeah. And Giannis does that, but there's not a role player who does that. Yeah. So I don't know. Like you could, I mean, you probably have to look at like moving on from Lopez and just saying we're gonna roll with Portis. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, like I don't know how much value Lopez has. So it's like, are we really bringing in something worthwhile if we, you know, give him away, or are we just bringing another one of these type guys that we just talked about not needing anymore? Right. So, I don't know, but like all this being said. If they have Chris Middleton, they they would have beat Boston. Like they would have, mm. you know, and they would have beat Boston. I think they would have been the favorite against Miami. I don't know yeah. if they would have beat Miami, but I think they would have. And then it's them versus what's probably going to be Golden State. Yeah. So which would have been like two con- like contrasting styles, and it would have just been like, all right, Milwaukee's going to give you threes because they always do. Golden State wants to take threes. Golden State wants to go super fast and play this game up and down. Okay, Milwaukee wants to just let Giannis run in transition, you know, for 40 minutes. So, like, I, I don't know who would have won that one, but it would have been a lot of fun. So, like, if you're the Bucks, this is, it doesn't feel like a panic thing because of that injury, but it did kind of make you go, like, okay, we're not going to rely on Drew for tons of offense. Like, we've got to figure out some better options as like a number three offensive option. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great point in that like the Chris Middleton is so important for that team. And I think he's super underrated in terms of a, a player um, who we talk about on like a top, I don't know, 20 basis, um, 25 basis. Um, he's an elite scorer and, does a lot for their team um but it would also be nice like in the regular season like he has to do a lot and i don't think that's as talked about um like when we talk about Giannis, he has to do a lot of stuff for them and chris has to do a lot of stuff for them yeah. um so 
I don't know. Maybe maybe it's time to look at cashing in some of their guys. They don't really have very many picks, and that's the tough thing to make a move. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do in this offseason, but um, they definitely have to improve the bench. No doubt about that. Yeah. Moving on to the Pelicans. Going over to the West. We – so I – my note with this is starting to turn into a fun team. Like this is the team we thought we were getting with the first Zion's rookie year, the bubble, what ended up being the bubble year. This team's fun. Like up and down the roster, they have guys who, who can play at a high level um, and who came into their own in that sun series. Um, And the biggest question for them is like, this looks promising, but they can, can they actually do anything with it next year? Because we've seen a lot of like, oh, this is a cool team. And then they don't do anything next year. And they're kind of back to being a play-in team. Like, I'm looking for the Pelicans to really take a leap and be, like, out of the play Like, be the six next year. Yeah, like, take over Utah's spot in the West. Yes. You know, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and you have the players to do it. Like, we saw Brandon Ingram, like, CJ McCollum's there for what seems to be the long haul. But Brandon Ingram took a mini leap in this playoffs. And, like, he was an elite everything for them. He was kind of a fill-in-the-blank guy. Um, and you're just kind of looking to maybe bring in Zion to the fold. And, like, some people would say that's the biggest question. I, I think Zion's going to play. Like, he just has to play. Like, he's missed too many games at this point. Like, he's going to play for you. Whether he asks for a trade or not is another discussion, but you're going to play. You're going to have to figure out the Zion thing as well. Um, but you have to convert next year. You can't be the nine again. Like, you can't be playing in the play, barring like injury. Yeah. No, you'd hope not. I mean, if you're like the seven in the play in maybe a very slightly different conversation, but like, yeah, you, you shouldn't be having to fight for your playoff life again. Right. Right. Um, just a fun question, Ryan. If you were starting an NBA franchise, Oh God, would you rather have Devin Booker or Brandon Ingram? The consensus answer two months ago was Devin Booker. I'm having to think about this quite a bit. I think I'm going to zag. I'm going to say Brandon Ingram. I'm glad we're in agreement. (laughs) I just, what I saw, not that like Devin Booker is a bad player. What I saw from Brandon Ingram in those playoff games against Suns, he was a scorer. He was a playmaker. He was a rebounder. He was defending essentially anyone you ask them to defend. He was the center of the offense. He looked awesome. He'd get to a spot. He didn't look, he looked unbothered by one of the best defenders in the league. I just I want that the wing scorer that's like 6'10 with a seven foot wingspan is invaluable in this league. Like yeah. Devin Booker's a good player, but he has his limits. And I feel like Brandon Ingram has his limits, but they're he has a higher ceiling. Well, it's a lot easier to compensate for your limits when you have the size he has right and like 
they have a lot of similarities. Like, I wouldn't say either is a great defender, but like they've both really improved. Like, right? they are above average NBA defenders. They try. Like, yeah, like they do. Like, I think they've both taken a step in terms of like passing. Like, they're not, yeah. you know, point guards, but they've taken a step in terms of their passing. Um, like they love the mid range. They know how to get to a lot of their stuff. Like while they may not be like actually the greatest three point shooters, the way some people view them, like they definitely can shoot it. Both have gotten better at finishing at the rim. They're both like kind of those like super mentally tough overall, I'd say like workout warrior type guys. But I think in that specific department, like I give Ingram the slight edge and that's really the only main difference for me is like, all playoffs, I know the Pelicans run is obviously much shorter than the Suns. Like, you don't see Brandon Ingram just like whining, you yeah. know. Whereas like Devin Booker, I think is kind of becoming like the new NBA Twitter face of like crying about calls. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like there's not a ton, a ton of difference besides like the height of Brandon Ingram in their games. So I'll take that as the difference of like really why I'll, why I'll take Brandon Ingram over him. Not to like make this an anti Devin Booker thing. Cause it's not, but I don't know. I've, again, I said Brandon Ingram for all NBA this year. Like I really mean it. Like I think he's incredible. I don't know if he's a top 15 player in the league, but he's incredible. He, I mean, he, like I said, he's, he was the fill in the blank guy for the Pelicans down the stretch. Um, and he transformed into that. Like, I remember him being on the Lakers. and was like, I don't know about this guy. He doesn't seem like he has any, like, he has a mid-range shot, which is cool. But, like, I, I don't know. And then now he's this all-NBA caliber player, center of an offense for a playoff team. It's really remarkable um, what he's transformed into. Yeah, definitely is. That's the thing, like, all you said was spot on. Like, this looks promising. It's really just going to come down to now figuring out, like, making the Zion Ingram McCollum thing work. Yeah, long term. How 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 does this work? Uh, so, moving on to the Wolves. My biggest thought with them, and then their question, is this team still feels like it has a ways to go. Like they had a fun series with Memphis. But I thought this, I I thought they played like Memphis. I had kind of the same thought with them during the series. Like, why are you treating this playoff game? Like it's a January game against Memphis. Like quit turning the ball over 15 times a game, whatever their average per game was. Um, It felt like 30. It felt so bad. Like (laughs) they would just have stretches of like, okay, this team looks like could compete to make the Western Conference Finals, and then they would go into the fourth quarter and just crumble like a cheap Walmart lawn chair. Um, My biggest question for them, though, Matt, and I think this is an interesting one we can talk about maybe in this offseason, who's the best player on this team? Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Edwards? I mean, I think if I had to answer today, like Cat's the better player today, but if you ask me who's going to be the better player in a year and a half, like that might be a different answer. See, maybe that maybe that's the better question is like long term, 
who are you building this team around? Cat or Anthony Edwards? Anthony Edwards. And that's the thing is like it. This team needs to transit transition into that next year yeah. for them to fully realize the potential. Because relying on Cat, maybe not the best strategy. That was that was a big old yikes. <laughs> uh, like I I just the reliability of him just wasn't there. I the I we were texting during that series, and I don't know. He's a really smart guy. Like if you listen to an interview, like he's he's a smart person. Why is he launching thirty five footer with like two minutes left and they're down like six? Oh, with the series on the line. Like, what are you doing? That's not a good shot for you. That's not a good shot for anybody outside of Steph Curry. So don't take it. Yeah, and obviously the biggest mental thing was the fouling all the time. Like, yeah, that that was the more ridiculous part. But, Him and Jaron Jackson Jr. were just trading dumb fouls. <laughs> it, it was painful, but I think that's more so where I'm at. Is I I just don't think I trust him to like execute. Yes. when it like matters, like offense or defense. Right. Like it's not that I don't trust him to like make a shot. It's I just don't trust him to like make the right play. Right. And if you're gonna be the hub of a team in the playoffs, like you have to do that, you know, you can't have it. You can have like one off game in the playoffs, like right. person, but you can't have two, you can't have three. Well, he kind of got bailed out too with the Clippers one. Like we didn't even talk really yeah. much about that. Like he fouled out of that Clippers playing game and it was lucky that other guys stepped up and D'Angelo had a good game and a bunch of other, the role players stepped up and filled in. But, like, if they lose that game, that's a mark on Cat, you know? That's a mark on his legacy. Yeah. It, again, he's extremely talented. Yes. He just does things. Again, you want to talk about a Sacramento player. He's a Sacramento player. <laughs> Maybe that's what we should say for, like, not, our shorthand for non-winning players. Like, he's a Sacramento player. <laughs> He's a Sacramento guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's terrible. But yeah, I, I think that's the that's the question with the Timberwolves. Like, you have to realize Ant is your going to be your guy in the next five years, and so start building around him. And it's not not a knock on Cat. It's just I think Anthony Edwards is going to be the guy going forward. Um, I agree. So moving on to the Nuggets, everyone was my biggest thought with them was everyone was playing out of the role. Except for Jokic, Austin. There was too much Austin Rivers. There was uh, too much of every, <laughs> too much Will Barton, weird mid-range floaters. Um, just too much of their role players just playing a peg up. Um, so I guess the biggest question for me for them is like, it, can everyone get healthy? next year and can you start contending again because this team looked like a championship team before jamal murray went down so like can michael porter jr can jamal murray get healthy to help Jokic and make a playoff run and can everyone stay healthy at the same time yeah because if that's the case then this team is one of the best teams in the nba if 
Michael Porter Jr. is going to be in and out of the lineup, and Jamal Murray is going to be in and out of the lineup. Like, I don't know what this team ultimately is. Yeah. I, I, I love Jamal Murray. I think if you get him back, like, in the direction of this team is yes. legitimately pointed towards a championship. Yes. Michael Porter Jr. wins the tough one. Again, they paid him. They agreed to that contract very early on, earlier than they had to. And obviously, you have a very sour taste in your mouth about this season. And knowing also the general injury history of him makes it, you know, not awesome. I don't know. Is he another Sacramento guy? Um, <laughs> but I think Jokic is similar in the, I don't know if he's exactly there, but similar to the Giannis territory of like, just can't count that guy. Like, yeah, I mean, Golden State again might win the championship this year, and that's who they had to face in the first round. Right. Just so good. He he's just he makes everyone better, and he at least gave the Nuggets. And again, I know they lost like what five. He gave them at least a chance not to get blown out by forty every night, because that's how stark of a difference it was between Golden State and Denver otherwise right right those games were close and like he gave him a chance like a real actual chance and i I don't think that ever got appreciated enough in the playoffs yes yeah if if Jokic, like if you took steph and Jokic out of those games like the nuggets would have still lost by 50 (laughs) Like it, Poole and Thompson and Draymond would have just like killed. Yes. You know? Eat Monte Morris alive. <laughs> like, I don't know how many players would Golden State have had to have been down for Jokic and the Nuggets to have like won the series. I mean, Steph it feels Draymond. like they have three Hall of Fame guys on their team and Clay, Steph, and Draymond. So, yeah, it would have to have been pretty much just. I guess a hobbled clay. Like all like hobbled clay and Jordan Poole. Like if that's who was playing, like the Nuggets probably would have won. Yeah. But like it it's like I don't think people understood like how shorthanded the Nuggets were in comparison. Right. Moving forward, get Murray back. I feel good. Like, to be honest. And I, I think there's just going to have to be some real internal stuff about Michael Porter Jr. Like, I don't know what you do, to be honest. I, I'm already was at the point before the big contract, and I'm kind of at it now, a year after the signing and the playoffs and the missed games. Like, I, I just don't have that much confidence in him. You know, if he hits, uh, okay. But like, I just don't have that much confidence. It feels like he has the potential to be a 50, 40, 90 guy. But like for him to hit that potential is like, what's the percentage of that like happening over the next five years consistently? Like, is it less than one? Is it 2%? Cause I don't like that at all. And if I were the nuggets, like that's, that's the discussion, right? Like I think the overall chance percentage of it happening goes up. If you say like, but he doesn't have to play a lot of games to get it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. If you had to set, like, a, I don't know, whatever the minimum is to make 60 the games. 60 games. It's like a 1% chance of happening. Yeah. 
And I think that's it. And that's the discussion that the Nuggets have to have and figure out this offseason as well. So all interesting stuff there with the Nuggets. Uh, moving on to the Jazz. Oh, my God, Matt. Moving on to the Jazz. The Jazz, once again, couldn't convert on another injured star. They went, what, one and two with games that Luka was out um, and couldn't convert on it. Luka, they should have been – it. They should have been up 3-0. The series should have been over by the time Luca got back, but they didn't. And so now we're looking at this core and asking ourselves the question of, like, has time run out? And I think the answer is yes. So then the thought, biggest question for me is, who are you trading this offseason? Gobert or Mitchell? Or are you still running it back? Yeah, I, I, you can't run it back. You you can't. Right. Like, if you run it back, now you're getting into like the Embiid Simmons territory. Right. Like, we all know this is done, but you refuse to accept it's done. And guess what? It's not going to get better. So I'm, I again, we're always going to say guards win games. So like I'm of the opinion you should generally try and keep the guard if you have a star guard. But I say that knowing I don't have tons of confidence in Donovan Mitchell right now. I don't think anyone does based off of how that series went. Just for no other reason than like. Defensively getting cooked by Jalen Brunson over and over and over again. We can't talk about not caring without saying Donovan Mitchell didn't really care either. Right. Because he didn't. Right. He didn't. He, He just didn't. Like, where was the guy who, like, stunned Oklahoma City, right, a couple years ago? Like, where was that guy who was playing two-way and the center of the offense and looked amazing? Yeah. Where's that guy now? The guy who, like, battled, like, the Jazz going – or battled the Nuggets going, like, for 50 with Jamal Murray. Right. Right. He he didn't care enough, like, to do it. Like he's like, I'm not fighting for this team. Right. Like, we're, we're being completely honest. Like he wasn't. So if you think he will with different teammates, you keep him. But if you think he's like, we're just not going to hitch our wagon to a guy who quit on us, then I get that. You know, like I can't necessarily blame that. Yeah. I don't, I, the Jazz really have to look at themselves in the mirror and ask a lot of tough questions this offseason. And they've kicked the can on this for three straight offseasons. And I, you're at a point where I don't think you can keep kicking the can down the road. Um, no, no. So I don't, I don't know. I want, I want the, I want, I want the Jazz to be good because it's fun when there's other good teams in the league. And, like, the Gobert-Mitchell thing should work. Like, theoretically, it should work. And it just hasn't. And there's been a lot of reasons why. So, I guess it's just time to move on for them. And and whether that's Gobert or Mitchell, they have to figure that out for themselves. To me, this would be much easier if, like, 
they definitely knew what they were doing or getting out of like Conley and Bogdanovich and like some of the other guys they have. Mm. But at this point, like there, there's so much uncertainty with all the others that it's like you don't want to add extra uncertainty, like uncertainty by like not bringing back one of these other guys and bringing in some new guys, you know? Right. So, right. It, yeah, it makes it tough. It makes it really tough. But that's why it's so hard to win a championship and why, like, if you ever get this, like, decent chance of doing it, you should. Right. You have to go for it. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Like, the Celtics weren't too far off from this conversation either, you know? And now they're Eastern Conference Finals looking at potentially a finals appearance. So, um Maybe things can bounce back with a different core with the Jazz. Um, I think it's possible, yeah. Moving on to the Grizzlies. Yeah. Matt, what a fun season for the Grizzlies. Yeah. No, again, everyone's feel-good story. Again, not quite the number one seed, but almost. The, again, Jaw taking the massive leap. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think the general viewpoint, similar to the conversation we had about uh, the Raptors, is like, this is all gravy. Like, yeah, you're not disappointed. Like, don't get me wrong. Of course, you w- wish you would have beat Golden State, but like, this is all gravy. This is a great season by any and all like accounts. You got to keep the faith in Jaw. You got to keep the faith in Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, and just like go from here. You have, again, one of the better coaches in the league, it seems like, in Taylor Jenkins. You really found something in Desmond Bain. Like, you know, like you overall built a good team. It's not quite good enough to win a championship, but you've built a good team. And so you can keep focusing on just, like, development and all that. But um, I, I don't know. If you really want to get into it, maybe we can start being, like, I don't know, is Bain or Jackson ever going to be good enough to be John Morant's number two? But I just don't even know if that matters this season. Yeah. I, that, I mean, that question, like it feels like Jackson could be that number two guy. And Bain definitely played that role in this postseason. But I think there's like huge upside with Jaron Jackson Jr. and how he plays defensively. Um, I I don't know. It, it, it's a tough question. They're going to ha- I think at some point they're going to have the same conversation that we had about the Hawks because it feels like they have like 10 to 12 guys they could play consistently. Yeah. Um and that's great, but at some point like you only need 7 really or 8 to win a playoff series. So the question of like who's your second guy that's a tough i it's just tough to answer because i i would lean jaron jackson because of how good he is but you definitely need bane shooting next to jaw um yeah. and it's just whoever decide whoever comes into fills into that role um has to be able to play minutes and jaron jackson junior we talked about it with cat it's like you can't make dumb fouls. 
yeah, that you can't have 25 minute playoff games. Yes, exactly. Like you got to be there. Like you have to be available for like 35 minutes, like minimum every night. Right. Yeah. If your team needs you to crank out 40 minutes and like a game six, like you have to crank out 40 minutes. Like you can't give, you can't sit on the bench for all of the second quarter because you have three fouls. Yeah. And again, you can do some non-traditional, like who's the number two, who's the number three, like kind of like in Milwaukee. Like if we're being honest, like in Milwaukee, like Chris Middleton's offense and Drew Holiday's defense is the number two guy in Milwaukee. Yeah. And then Chris Middleton's defense and Drew Holiday's offense is the number three guy in Milwaukee. Like, right. You know, like you can be a creative with it if you have like the superstar like Davion is. I don't know, maybe Jaw's not obviously Jaw's not on that level, but like maybe he'll get to that level one day or something. But like I don't know, maybe that's kind of how it'll be with Jaron Jackson Jr. Like his defense will be part of the number two guy and his offense will be part of the number three guy, you know, and they'll have someone else to like counterbalance it both ways. And I don't again, maybe that's Bane or maybe it's someone else, but uh, it's not even something you really have to worry about right now, though. It's just something to be cognizant of really in a year or two. Yeah. And this next year, like, what are your expectations? Like, other people are going to have expectations for you, but what are your realistic expectations? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's got to be more like individual guy specific, not more team mm. goal. It's a great really point. Oz shooting or Jaren's fouling, you know, or different things like that. More so than just like general team chemistry or anything like that. Okay. Um, last one here. Um, of all the ones we've talked about, I mean, the Jazz have a good case for it, but maybe the most embarrassing exit to Cancun. Ryan, the Phoenix Suns. Oof. I'll let you go on this one first. <laughs> so you have a 3-2 series lead, and you end up losing that series. Um, I don't know, Matt. Do we have to have a conversation about Devin Booker? And his place in the NBA now? Are we talking about Chris Paul being declining now? Are we talking about DeAndre? Like, who are we pointing the finger at for this series? Because it feels like a mixture of DeAndre Ayton just kind of disappearing and not being a force in this series like he was in the last playoffs. It feels like a combination of, like, Devin Booker shooting the ball really poorly and then Chris Paul all of a sudden just declining in the last three weeks. Um, I, and I don't like doing this, but I'm going to throw Mikhail Bridges in here too. Mm. Like, just got the big extension and then did a whole bunch of nothing. Um, yeah, I I mean, don't be wrong. Really between Paul, Booker, Aiden, and Bridges, it feels like all four of them deserve a point. Yeah. But... I, Ultimately, they're like, it's got to come back to, like, the stars. Right. Which are really Paul and Booker, like, if we're being honest. Like, Aiden's a really talented young player, but, like, it's really Paul and Booker. Right. And, again, like, kind of heard, like, Paul's quad wasn't right, something or whatever, but 
I don't know, man. Like you, so. you have you have to win one of the next two, and one of them's at home. And it's not just that they lost. Again, I know this point's kind of been, you know, talked about over and over. But like, it's not just that they lost. It's that they got blown out. They yeah, they got boat raced out of there. Like they never had a shot at winning that game. Like there was no point in that basketball game where you thought Phoenix was going to win. Mm-mm. Like Dallas was on them from the jump, like up like twenty six to twelve, and like Phoenix was just like, okay. Like, uh, they just, like, there was no fight in that Phoenix team. And, again, like, we've seen this all playoffs, right? Like, teams that get down by, like, 20 and be like, no. And and just, like, will their way back in. And Phoenix, like, they were down 14 in the first quarter. And just, like, it's like, all right, I guess we're taking an L tonight. <laughs> just rolled over at home. Yeah, that, I mean, that felt like the – 2017 Phoenix Suns, you yeah. know, that it, for it, a reason not the number one pick that trip and like no, can we draft DeAndre? You know, it, it felt like something went wrong with chemistry. Like that team was clicking all year. They loved each other all year. Like a team just doesn't go that sideways for no reason. Like it felt like something happened in the locker room or something that's just not being talked about. And maybe it's an injury. Maybe it's something bigger than that. But, like, it, it just seems like something went wrong with that team. And I, I don't know what. And that's the weird thing. I love the Suns. I love Monty Williams. I love Chris Paul. Even though he has, does some weird antic things, I this team should have be in the Western Conference Finals. And there's no – no one's convincing me otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, like, of all, like, the, the stars of this team that like, deserve a point in their direction, like, Monty Williams is not one of those guys. Like, Yeah. he. I mean, he did – he had to I – mean, he benched the guys he needed to bench. Like, campaign wasn't playable all of a sudden in this yeah. Maverick series, right? Like, it just like, felt like they were, like, two guys short in the yeah. entire Maverick series. Well, the entire second half of the Maverick series, they were up 2-0 on Dallas. That's the other point here. They were up 2-0 and lost, what, one one of the next four, five? Yeah, one. Yeah, they won one of the next five, yeah. Um, I, You know, I like you sometimes hear in sports, like, it's the coach's job to, like, get the team focused and, you know, ready to play and everything. No, it's not. Like, I'm coming at this as a coach. No, it's not. If you show up to a game and you don't, like, effing care, that's on you. (laughs) It's such a great point. Such a great point. If I don't provide you a game plan, yeah, that's on me. If we didn't do the film study, yeah, that's on me. Like, if, if you didn't know to expect, like, this action from the opposing team, like, on their sideline out-of-bounds plays like, in fourth quarters, like, yeah, that's on me. But if you don't come, like, mentally ready to fight, like, for yourself and for the team, like, that's on you. Like, if there's, like, a dispute between you and another player and you're not getting along, that's on you. Like, you got to figure that out. Like, that, what do you want a coach to do? Like, you're a grown man in terms of NBA standards, you know? Like, Figure it out. 
Yeah, and you're fighting for your playoff lives here. You're trying to, you know, win an NBA championship and you can't get past whatever, you know, little skirmish or issue is in your way here. Like, if Dallas just beats you, that's one thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. if they just out-execute you, outplay you, like, Luca hits a thousand tough shots and Dinwiddie and, you know, uh, Brunson are just – putting up junk and it's going in whatever like just is what it is at that point but that's not what happened like, phoenix just did not care about that game like they straight up did not care they james hardened that game yeah the entire team did and like not just you know deandre ayton who understandably is getting a lot of pub on that you know regard and there's the whole video game story and all that stuff um but like the entire team rolled over the entire yeah. team look like they gave a crap like that i don't know did monty williams do something like what happened i it makes me really sad because i wanted chris paul to win a championship and i think it was this was the best year to do it um at least for that team i the question for me for them is like what now like what's next like, can you run this back? Like, are you the next Utah Jazz? Like, cute, you had a nice regular season. But you didn't show up again in the second round. Or whatever it is, you know? The problem um, with not showing up is, like, it's not just that you didn't show up once. It's not – you're going to get reminded of it. Yeah. Every time an important game comes up. Right. Right. Um, I don't – the DeAndre thing is just – hanging over them this offseason are you going to give him an extension is he going to be around i don't know the answer to that question because it seems like robert sarver is the type of guy to save a buck so like as this team look drastically different and if deandre aiden's not around like is this the same contender that we had this past season yeah or or who's going to have to go <laughs> if you want to keep deandre Ayton, you know Right, is like Cam Johnson gone now? Yeah, um, and like your b- backup Maybe, point guard uh, situation is like all of a sudden up in the air in question because it looks like Cameron Payne can't be the guy. Yeah. I so, Jason, I don't know. Jake Crowder was unimpressive. Like, yeah, Jake Crowder didn't really play that well. I mean, Cameron Johnson really didn't play that well even though he was a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Um. Just a lot of questions, and maybe this team just needed a reality check. Like, they needed to lose. They thought it was going to be easy because of making it to the finals last year. And maybe this loss will, like, kind of fuel them and bring them back next year. But I don't know. There's also a lot of questions about this. Some teams that, like, a month ago didn't have that many questions. Yeah. Just because I want your take on it, Ryan. You're the... Uh, and I know, like, at the end of the day, like, it probably doesn't really matter, but is there any anything to the DeAndre Ayton video games thing? Like, the fact that he says he sleeps, like, maybe, like, four hours a night because oh. he just stays up all night playing video games. Like, he doesn't sleep. Like, I, I'm, like, I play video games. I, if I, like, get, like, four hours of sleep, I feel like crap. And, like, I, I think the biggest thing is that you just like you have to get more <laughs> than four hours of sleep a night. Like 
any like professional athlete like should be getting like eight hours of sleep. And I'm pretty sure they track that as a team, right? Like they do at the college level for sure. I don't I, I just can't imagine that being a good thing. Um, but I mean, I can do that. I'm not a professional athlete. If I were DeAndre Ayton, I would be making sure I would do everything in my ability to get $150 million, which sounds like going to bed at 10 p.m. or as soon as the game's over. Well, it's kind of like, it's not the same method, but it's essentially the James Harden thing. Yeah. You know? It's just different. Yeah. You're not out in the club. Yeah. James Harden prefers strippers, and DeAndre Ayton prefers to gay, you know, but end of the day, it's the same result. So it, it's just so weird when like a guy speaks so openly about it, like he's proud of it, you know? Yeah. Like, right. I think James Harden's not doing like interviews about it. it's just a well-known fact around nba circles um yeah i don't but that's moving forward is like personally are you a guy we're gonna trust he goes you know all the way back to the Kyrie conversation we had yeah like personally are you a guy we want around here like Mm -hmm. do we trust you and nothing about basketball just true like you as a person and i think deandre ain's kind of put target on his own back i want my 150 million guys just living and breathing basketball and i know that's not a fair expectation but like i know chris paul does that and i imagine devin booker's pretty close to the same way yeah and so there's a piece to that you know yeah i mean you think of like all the guys like left in the current nba playoffs like steph clay draymond Luca, you know, Tatum, Brown, Jimmy. Luca's Brown. had to learn that the hard way too. Yeah, yeah, he did. Like bam, like all like the stars from across the team side. All of them take it so seriously. Yes. And you're right, Luca's probably the youngest of those and most recently to learn. Like you you can't be eating, you know, barbecue for two meals a day and Oh, all this stuff, and you got to take care of your body more. But like, Luke is also just more talented than you. Like, right, right. You know, so that that's part of it. But like, yeah, all the like guys who are still left every year are always ones who take it the most seriously. Giannis is like the prime example of it from the year before. Yes. So yeah, you just got to prove like you want to be that type of a guy. And so now let's just wrap this up, Ryan talking about the Eastern Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals. Guys are taking it seriously. Guys trying to get on a roll. Dallas trying to save their season right now uh, as we're recording. Yes. <clears throat> Luca trying to save his season. Um, right I now, Yeah. Golden State's <laughs> up 2-0 with 50 seconds left. Um, that's a dagger three, though, maybe by Jordan Poole. So... Matt's a couple minutes or a couple seconds ahead of me. So this is going to be interesting. We get different reactions at different times to different things. Um, But yeah, let's talk about the Eastern Conference Finals, Matt. Your Boston Celtics are currently down 2 1 um, to the Miami Heat. How do you feel about the rest of the series? I mean, it didn't feel great about losing game three, considering Butler, you know, left the game early. But also, I don't know. It feels like 
one of my my biggest criticism coming out of the game one loss was Jalen Brown like decided not to play that day. And, yeah, you know we like I know he had a good fourth quarter, but like the game was already over at that point. So, but, like since that fourth quarter, Jalen Brown has like been awesome. Tatum had a bad night the other night. That sucks, you know. But okay, Boston's I feel like been the better team throughout most like of the 12 quarters Boston's probably been the better team in I don't know nine of them yeah I think there was a stat I saw like Boston's won all but two quarters I think of the series but they're down to one yeah so and it feels like that's gonna correct itself at some point yeah so it's like if we can just stop having the disaster quarters like we've been having like obviously game one it was the third quarter um we had a terrible start to game three. Like, if we can just quit having, like, the super disaster quarter, like, we'll be fine. And so that's why I'm still going to pick Boston to come out of the East. But, like, you know, even though we can be, like, me, myself included, super complimentary of, like, Jalen Brown the other night, like, he also had seven turnovers. A lot of and turnovers. Just – could not take care of the ball. So I he's effectively been like that for three games too. Like I know Tatum got a lot of heat in the first game, but like Jalen Brown was just as bad. You know, so I, I think until the Boston superstars realize like to take care of the ball more and like actually how to do it, then I I don't feel awesome or I won't feel awesome, but I'm going to keep the faith. Keep the faith. Since, again, like we've talked about, you don't get these windows very much. Like, these opportunities just don't present themselves. So, I got to keep being a homer for about one more week and pray I get another week after that. And then a couple weeks in June. Um, yeah. yeah, I I'm going to zag on you. I, I love Boston. I love Tatum. I love this team. I love Smart. But I think the Heat are going to take this series. It just feels like they've mucked it up enough, and the refs have been letting a lot of physicality play out in this series, which just favors the Heat. Um, yeah. And P.J. Tucker guarding Tatum. <laughs> and how many times he fouls him coming up and down the floor. Um, but we won't talk about that much. Uh, I just feel like the Heat have barely enough to get by the Celtics. They only have to win two of the next, what is it, four? Yeah. To advance. Um, And this series could shift. I mean, Boston could win game four and then win game five, and it could be a wrap from there, you know? Um, But I I like the Heat to advance to the finals from here. Um, And Golden State just went up 3-0 on yeah. the Dallas Mavericks. So I think that series is pretty much a wrap. I think we're going to both pick Golden State there. Yeah. Had them before the game anyway. But yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, the Mavericks are ahead a, a of schedule. It feels like this Golden State team is just clicking. It Clay has a step again. Jordan Poole is playing amazing. And they have a bunch of bench guys who can play. Um and Andrew Wiggins is actually playing really well. Um, it's kind of nice to see. Yeah, crazy. But yeah, Steph's 
shot is definitely back. The defense, like as a team, is definitely back. Like they're not, you know, the KD Warriors, but they're the pre-KD Warriors. They're like the sixteen Warriors almost. Yeah, it it just really feels like they're back. So, um, whoever has to play Gold State is in for a heck of a challenge that I have no idea how you solve, but. Uh, I think the Celtics have a better chance of playing the Warriors than the Heat do. I don't think the Heat have anybody to guard Steph. And I know there's not really a great answer for Steph, but like in the Celtics series, like you can put PJ Tucker on Steph. Like you can't, you don't really have a great answer for the Heat. But I think the Celtics have at least Smart and Brown to at least throw at him. The super switch thing for Boston would like work. You know, just considering how much Golden State cuts and moves and screens and everything, like Boston should be like, yeah, that's fine. Like, you're gonna like overdo it almost because we're not gonna exert so much energy chasing me around, right? And you know, mucking it up so much. Well, that's what gave Golden State so many issues a couple years ago. But a couple years ago with Houston, it's like Houston just switched everything and it kind of slowed the game down and like got them to play ISO ball. Which, again, not saying Golden State can't win that way, but yeah, that maybe that's why Boston would be the favorite, or not the favorite, but like the better of the two chances against Golden State. But yeah, the way this team's rolling and the fact that they're going to be super rested, like going into the finals, it seems, based off of the way that series is going and the way the Eastern Conference uh, finals are going, like. Man, that Golden State team's like, I don't know if I'm ready to give my, my finals pick because I don't know who they play, but goodness. It just, uh, yeah. If Curry's playing like this, like they're just a really hard team to beat. And this team is the most experienced, probably, in terms of like finals, high, high stakes basketball. And there's a lot of experience on the other side, too. Um, but the Warriors just have the most experience in the, these situations. Um, and I'm going to lean on that, like you're saying. But that's that's maybe for another podcast, Matt. Uh, it's been a lot of fun getting back into this. A- episode 139, well, a lot of Cancun. Talking about a lot of Cancun. Yeah, we'll get back to the regular now as we transition to the end of the season. And then the offseason, the draft, the free agency, the everythingness, the drama. What, we're a month away from the draft, right? Like end of June? Middle yeah. of June? Yeah. It's going to start. Happens. Yeah, it's going to start picking up again, which is going to be fun for us. It is. Um, anyways, that's been episode 139. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you back in episode 104. Yeah.